This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Aaron Pym, and I'm the producer of the theatrical variety show, <laughs> The Bedpost Sex Show. Here at the podcast, I invite guests and performers from the stage show and beyond to indulge me in a more in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality. And this week, I have a very super special guest, sex educator, Luna Matadas. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you? I'm so, so excited. <laughs> I was so excited that you invited me to be here and to chat with you. I'm excited. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You said uh, you left. This is just a typical morning for you. Mm -hmm. You uh, just... I left panties at my concierge by accident. (laughs) So when you get a call from your concierge saying... "Uh, Your panties are here. here." I was like, they're clean. They're clean. So my fuck like a goddess panties are waiting at concierge. It's a typical morning. I try to be discreet in my building, Mm -hmm. but, you know, sometimes these things just happen where my panties fall out. (laughs) My panties end up at the concierge. Same thing. Like, I wonder, um, I try to be equally as discreet just with the concierge, but they see a lot of fun, funky people waiting in the lobby for me to come and get them. I can imagine. (laughs) They're like, this one's for Aaron. (laughs) So you just wonder what what they think, right? But but I welcome all all, um, ideas and imaginative... they're They're probably thinking things that are way more exciting than I'm actually doing. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I think people just in generally think I have a much more exciting life than I do. I kind of like that delusion. I'm I do okay too. I'll welcome. Yeah, me I'll too. Welcome. I accept it. <laughs> so, okay, Luna, you you do so many different things. Mm-hmm. Just like the range of your work, mm-hmm. I feel like is amazing. Where did you like begin doing all this sex educator type stuff? Yeah, so. Um, after I didn't actually study sex education in school, um, I was working in Kenya right after school doing HIV work with uh, fishermen. Wow. And so it required a, a really unique approach because I was working in Kenya, which was very saturated with HIV education. So people knew and, and they had access to the education and there were other factors that were kind of influencing their decisions. Um, but it really kind of made me look at taking a social and a, and a pleasure approach to, to sex education in addition to sort of a, a more practical business approach that, you know, they were losing time from uh, or available fishing time because they were sick or um, it was actually having a cost on the impact of them being able to earn a living. So aside from health stuff. And so when I came back, I thought it's really amazing to work with marginalized groups because there's such an intersection of issues that affect people's ability to like get healthy sex education and then to apply it and to navigate and even get the kind of pleasure that they want. Yeah, it's totally a lot. And uh, so when I I kind of left the the public health field, I thought, oh, like, I know how to do the STI prevention stuff. And but there's a lot of barriers to people even doing that. And when I started to get into to kink and explore my own sort of um, broader sexual interest, there were a ton of barriers for me Hmm. and being able to find education and uh, in education that also spoke to the multiple intersections, like I'm a, a fat queer femme and I'm a person of color. And so it's it's really difficult to find all of that in one sort of mainstream education stuff. Mm-hmm. And so my first workshop I ever taught was uh, Group Sex 101. Yes. Yes, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> I had threesomes and I thought, yeah. wow, there's a lot of stuff I learned. <laughs> having Just by doing it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Good For Her was amazing enough to kind of give me this, this first opportunity to bring that education that they thought their audience needed. Mm-hmm. And it was wildly popular, and which was, to my surprise, I mean, it's a very popular fantasy, but I didn't know people would be willing to actually come out and learn uh, about seek it. out the education. Yeah. And then from there, I sort of evolved into... Um, kink and, and topics that are considered on the fringe of sexual education um, and maybe even a little bit niche. 
Uh, but it's it's really about kind of bringing anything that someone could be curious about and giving them an approach to how, how they, they can actually do it. want to do it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Giving them the tools to yeah. actually make it happen in their own sex lives. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of group sex, yeah. uh, one of the latest things that I kind of saw from you on your social media was a blog post, 10 Things mm-hmm. That Couples Do That Make Me Want to Fuck Them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I love this. I love this because, okay, I'm always in the couple. Yeah. I've never actually had a threesome where I'm the uh, solo unicorn, quote unquote, person. Right. So I love hearing this is all from the perspective of the unicorn. Yeah. Which, even tell people what what is a unicorn and where that term comes from. Yeah, so a unicorn usually refers to um, a third person coming in to play with a couple. So Mm -hmm. they're the solo person. It tends to refer to a single female only because there's an elusiveness to to like having this third person that's been so prolific in fantasy and porn and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so the the elusiveness is because everyone wants one, but no one can find one. (laughs) So hence the unicorn. Yeah, rare, yeah. like mythical beasts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the woman generally, like a, a bi or flexible, um, heteroflexible woman yeah, even? Yeah, usually even. heteroflexible, though lots of unicorns um, maybe don't identify that way. They want to come in and there could be different scenarios where they're uh, playing with maybe a, the person in the couple who's of the opposite sex and, and engaging with the person who's of the same sex in a, in a different way, however they want to navigate it. But you're mm-hmm. right, it tends to, um, in kind of popular culture refer to someone who's going to play with, with uh, both with both partners yeah. yeah and okay so I I love this because even as a person that has has a good amount of threesomes <laughs> under your belt <laughs> yeah like I, I've been I've been like blessed <laughs> by the unicorn fairy a couple Amazing. times um I love c- can we just blow through some of these some yeah. of the important points yes totally what so, are the the good things that need to happen for you to enter into that type of situation I think that couples um when they're looking for a unicorn they get very focused on that this is our fantasy, we need to find someone, and they put it out there, you know, hot couple looking for a no-drama unicorn. So it's very objectifying in a non-consensual way to the unicorn because, you know, what are you offering me? Like, I'm single, I can go out and have sex wherever I want. And numbers say that you are in demand. Right. You are the one in demand. And yet it's very much dominated from a, a couple's privilege kind of perspective that we are here, we don't want you to disrupt our... Uh, dynamic, but we want you to come in and fulfill our fantasy. So you feel like an invited intruder. And so it has this weird kind of flow of, well, there's nothing about me that is unique or desirable other than other than the fact I'm going to sleep with you. Yes. Yes. Whereas I have my own interests. I have my own uh, sense of pleasure. So I usually ask couples, um, you know, what kind of scenes that make you hot about this? Like, what have you been fantasizing about? And I say, I like uh, threesomes where, everyone takes turns being the center of attention. Nice. And so someone may say, well, we don't want that. I just want you to play with the the female partner um, because it's my fantasy to kind of watch this like girl porn thing. And that's fine, but that's not really for me. So having that kind of discussion and also the couple knowing like, these are the things we want to do. Like we've dirty talked it in bed, but we've also talked about it practically. So how are we going to feel when this happens? You may be really comfortable watching your partner go down on someone else but then when they're cuddling afterwards you may get really triggered yeah so kind of figuring out what are the things that um you want to do so you're able to communicate that to the unicorn beforehand um lots of unicorns want to come in and and leave um but some some unicorns like me i have an expectation of some sort of aftercare like i need to be cuddled i want to chat a little bit maybe have a drink before i go get some water like i want to come back to my whole self before i leave this scene which is the essence of what aftercare is exactly yeah Yeah. so i think that um couples really kind of thinking about what they're going to offer a unicorn is is one of the big points or points um and also couples really thinking about what are some of the barriers that they already have in their relationship because the onus for drama is tend to it's hung on the person coming in and so I can't really stimulate any drama that wasn't there already. Like, maybe I'm the match, <laughs> but, you know, there is already something, if there's already issues of jealousy or that are not talk, 
talked about or, or not put on the table, then it can be really awkward to come in and then be blamed for all of that stuff and feel you have to operate in a way that's cautious just by your presence as a unicorn. Which is not great. No, I not can't get a, wet like that. Nobody, yeah. No one's getting wet. <laughs> yeah, no. They're getting angry. Yeah. That reminds me of like a Will and Grace episode where I think Grace uh, went to be a, a unicorn for a couple and they just, they were just fighting and bickering. Yeah. And she's just sitting there on the bed. Like, <laughs> like why? I could have stayed home and masturbated. Exactly. Not had to have small talk. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, what are, what in your opinion make like, the best threesomes? Yeah, I think ones that have a lot of communication beforehand, uh, whether that's over text, and, and that can be in the form of um, dirty talk. Yeah, like, like sexting, right? Yeah, totally. And it doesn't have to feel like an interview. Um, for some people, they prefer that. And then to kind of ramp up into dirty talk when it's, um, you know, kind of day the before, time. Or, day yeah, of. or the day of, or the moments before. Um, and I think the, that both parties, kind of the couple and the unicorn, being prepared and having done a little bit of work beforehand. So I always recommend to my clients that they do a list of what you're excited about and what you're anxious about. Mm. And that list can change from couple to couple, from like year to year, whatever. Sometimes I come into a threesome and maybe I'm like kind of having body image issues. And so that's something I'm anxious about. And you don't necessarily always have to communicate that. A lot of times these are strangers coming together and you may not feel comfortable being vulnerable, but at least you kind of know that if it starts to spiral and you start to feel terrible, you're going to go to that place where your biggest wound happens to be that day or that moment. And it may not be something that you want to work out with that couple, but you can soothe yourself if mm. you know what it is. Because I used to walk into threesomes and be triggered and not know why. Mm. And I'd sit in the bathroom <laughs> and Aww. I'd like maybe cry Aww. or take a deep breath or... And I had no idea. And so it was like this. But then there's the pressure. I was like, well, I'm going to ruin it for everyone. Like, do I have to just go back in there and wait till it's done and deal with myself? So it gives you the opportunity to use the words, I need a little break. And then go off and figure out, like, is this body image or do I need to communicate something with them? Or is it another issue? Is something not going right? It just centers you from a, a place of self-awareness going mm. into it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah self-awareness. Totally. Yeah. 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 I get that for sure. Yeah. Um, what are some things that, what are specifically some things couples do that right away you're like, nope, yeah. <laughs> I will not do this yeah, now. Right away from their profiles, if they're, yeah. <laughs> if they say anything about no drama, I'm like, nope. <laughs> and I know that's often just language and I'm also hyper picky. Right, <laughs> right, I'm, right. I'm looking for it. You're in tune. I'm in tuned, yeah. Um, because to me, that's, that's a sense of I'm going to have to kind of watch my behavior in a way that I don't exactly know what I'm watching for. Yeah, like what does that why even mean, drama? no drama? Yeah. yeah, why is this dramatic? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then when I meet couples, if both of them aren't engaging with me, if they both aren't flirting with me, I'm like, hmm... Sometimes one person will do the social lubing ah, of the situation. Yes. And then it's hard for me because I don't know if the other person's not into me and they're going along with it because it's like a fantasy for the couple. Or sometimes there's other reasons, like maybe they're kind of on board, but they're shy. Or this is how they normally do their socializing. One person always is more extroverted. Um, but I think like an effort needs to happen from, mm -hmm. both, from partners. both. Yeah. My oh. best like threesome date was uh I totally felt like both of them were flirting with me individually That's and great. then I could see the adorable affection of them doing this as a couple so I like threesomes because I want to plug into that affection I think it's beautiful like what they've created and what they want to do together and I get to be invited into it um and so it was really cute they texted me after the date and they said you know we both were going to try to kiss you but then we didn't know how to like do it with like three people and <laughs> a three-way kiss so cute. yeah that's really adorable yeah, yeah yeah one of my well there there are lots of favorite threesome moments but something that I just thought of was like afterwards it like happened on one of our birthdays and then afterwards we just like went out to Indian food the three of us yeah that was like a really nice decompression kind of aftercare yes social moment that yeah. we all kind of needed and we just had like this really friendly flirty kind of uh, decompression time all together yeah which is really nice that's the perfect word yeah I think yeah. decompression and just kind of going back to your regular selves after something that you hope was really intimate and 
um, exciting and intense. Or it could be intense, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, depending on the type of play. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of that, okay. There was was a workshop that you did that I was like, oh, my God. I'm so depressed (laughs) that I cannot attend this. That's a good, it's a good, it's a good thing. I'll get there eventually. Be your best bottom self. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about it. Like, I want to know. Everything. I'll tell you all the things. <laughs> uh, so I, in my, my personal sex life, like I switch. Um, I tend to um, maybe present a persona that, that is more involved with, with doming. And um, that's also because it's a persona I had to really, or a, an interest I had to conjure. It was in me, mm. but it wasn't something that I was naturally kind of uh, turned on by. And so when I... Uh, thought about what bottoms are like for me and also what I'm like as a bottom, I thought, wow, there's a lot of pressure on tops to create and direct and produce yes. scenes. Yes, yes, and yes. bottoms um, also co-create with me, but they, they participate in a different way in the scene. Very much so, yeah. And so in that workshop, I, I talk about um, sometimes there's this... Uh, phrase around topping from the bottom and I think Ah. that that kind of creates a it usually means that the bottom is being um very active and and almost um anti-subby in in that situation because they're communicating what what they want to happen or what they want to do so it's seen as taking away a little bit of power from the top um and that creates a little bit of stigma that bottoms don't have any agency because they're on the bottom and being a bottom doesn't always have a a power exchange uh, associated with it. But um, if they're a bottom and a sub that can create like an extra layer of, well, how do I speak up about something? Like, am I allowed to speak up? Is it supposed to feel this way? You know, I'm bored. You know? Yeah, anything, any of those <laughs> any feelings. Of those can I yeah. can I communicate this right now in this scene? Yeah, I don't know if I can. Yeah, and a lot of people have trouble, kind of, um, and myself included, is it's kind of communicating while still in the scene, so they don't want to feel like you don't want to break the scene. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I teach things like, well, what language do you use? Um, to make it sexy or to, to keep you in the headspace that you're in while you're in the scene, but also still communicating. So saying like, th- this is boring. Well, how do you say it? Like, you know what I would really like to do right now. Perfect. Yeah. And, and this other thing. Exactly. <laughs> That's yeah, not this, this other thing. Or is it time new for thing. the candles yet? Or something like that. Yeah. Some suggestion of a thing you would like to do. Exactly. And even um, tone or body language or all these kinds of things help keep you in the character or the role play that you're in. And so using those things in combination with language to say what you want at that moment can increase pleasure for both. Cause even as a top, I hate guessing. I'm like, yes. oh, like, where's your responsiveness? I want to know, like, does this feel as good as we sexted about? Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. We communicated and negotiated about beforehand. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How, but what's, yeah. What's happening now? Like, yes. is it, Absolutely, absolutely. Because you can talk until you're well, back and forth until you're blue in the face, but until you you get in the room, you got to continue the conversation. Oh, totally. Yeah, the communication. That's a really good point. Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of bookend the conversation with like feedback at the end, and then the the prefacing of like let's get prepared for what we're gonna do. But in between, there's there's so many opportunities that can actually deepen the connectiveness because you've got responsiveness from your your bottom and you know that this feels good or that we talked about it a little bit lighter, but you actually want it a little bit harder. Um, and that's going to make the experience more positive for you. And then I'm going to feel good because I'm a good top in listening and creating the kind of scene that both makes us super turned on or super excited or feel super erotic. Because for me, I'm like, I I... I'm hearing all this, uh, and I know that I should be perhaps communicating more, but, like, what I tend to do, get in the habit of doing, is, like, okay, you know, assessing that scene, and there's a kind of a conversation, there's a conversation for sure that happens after that's, like, what were your favorite parts, were there any parts you were a little uncomfortable or bored or et cetera, et cetera. But I think of things, like, days later that I would have, like, I would like to do differently next time. Yeah. So like I kind of wait until the next conversation happens for the next time and then be like, because like for, for one thing, it's like when you said this, it struck with me that I was like, okay, some light play here. But in the moment I wanted to be pushed more, Yeah. but I 
didn't communicate that in the moment. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, next time I'm going to say that they can, you know, go yeah. a little further with that yeah. or whatever. That's a really great approach too. Because some for some people it takes time to digest the experience. I think it does for me. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It, especially if I'm doing some types of play that are a little new to me. Yeah. That I'm still kind of exploring, yeah. you know, how I feel about certain types of play. Yeah. That it happens, like, later. <laughs> that it all sets in, like, or new ideas come to me Absolutely. later. Yeah. That, you know, the next time I'll, will you set up a play date or whatever? Then yeah. I'll be like, okay, these are, this is the list. Yeah, I think that that's fabulous. Like being able to take that information and then use it to better the next time. Yeah. Um. And and that totally works if you you've got like regular partners that you're playing with, um. And you feel comfortable to kind of have that communication. So I think it's also on the top to really invite it. So I'm mm -hmm. always like asking throughout the scene because they may be in a a space or a headspace or an altered space or a subspace, subspace where. Yeah they kind of don't, um, aren't using the same set of skills that they would use outside of And I, I find that happen to me, yeah. happening to me, for sure. Like, yeah. I, I feel so, I'm sometimes so submerged in the submission that I hardly feel like I can talk at all. Absolutely. Or, like, even, like, keep eye contact. I yeah. just feel so kind of... Yeah, surrendered. Surrendered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like a, fr a freeness yes. associated yeah. to it. But yeah, I, where I kind of lose those skills to, yeah, to, to communicate, communicate effectively. Totally. A totally. little bit. And I've had bottoms and, and subs like that as well. And so as a top, if that's okay, if I kind of feel, if I know them and trust them enough that um, we're going to just play with the colors that you said that we would play with, I'm going to respect your boundaries and we're going to use just this palette for this time. Time, um, I'm going to sort of note it because as a top, I'm not necessarily in the same uh, space that you are. I definitely mm -hmm. go to dom space and top space, but it feels more of like an intellectual panty wedding for me. It's not necessarily <laughs> like I don't feel the same kind of um, full body. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different kind space. of stimulation. I'm like riding the wave of your, uh, your pleasure. Um, so I'll sort of note, I'll say, okay, well, at this point afterwards, maybe during aftercare, I'll be like, wow, you were a puddle at that point. Like, <laughs> could you have taken more or like, what did you need? Like, was it, so even the top being, um, or giving your top permission to kind of ask you those questions and invite those questions afterwards, I think can help this co-creation. Like, cause I never feel like I'm just directing the scene. I want, um, to do it together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah partnership yeah creating this experience together yes it's cre it's very creative oh my gosh that's why i love it yeah i think like kink is infinitely creative yeah yeah where do you get as a person that plays dom where do you get the ideas to do your scenes to do like because some of the people that i play with they're like oh i just some people plan it out mm -hmm. kind of what they would like to do uh kind of based on you know conversation we've had beforehand some people just like improvise the whole fucking thing and yeah. it's like a three hour long play i'm like you could sell this <laughs> like what do you what do you tend to do and where do you even get the ideas to do what you do yeah as a top i have um i think a few sources when i first started um i started with non-sexual domination so i had uh, sissy maids and uh, pig slaves and, and <laughs> people that were like, yeah, no, it is hilarious. It totally is. <laughs> Love it. Um, but it was it was nothing to do with where I was in a a very uh, sexual space for me. It wasn't necessarily about penetration or genital stimulation or anything like that. And uh, so I actually did have a list. I was like, okay, so I could make him crawl from here to here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I'm going to write pig on a bowl and he'll drink out of that. And I would like go <laughs> through the list. And it was testing what, what he liked. And it was within the boundaries that he had uh, had given me. But it was also testing what I liked because I didn't know. I didn't know how any of this was going to make me feel. I just thought it was hilarious. I thought it was creative. Yeah. And I was like, I'm getting my bathroom clean. That's great. Great. And, and then I loved it. But it took me a long time to kind of figure out I'm more of a, a playful humiliation and I want to laugh and I want you to feel silly and um, in that kind of, of scene mm -hmm. um, and then in other types of scenes where I consider myself more of a, a sensual sadist so I want to hurt you so that I can kiss it better see I love see I love that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's my favorite yeah <laughs> 
so that, do this for me. Yeah. <laughs> if it's something very technique based, like cock and ball torture, yes. um, I definitely read a lot about it and tried to see what others have found successful and what are the nuances of, of different people's bodies that I need to be aware of because there's potential to Yeah, that's a injure. safety thing. Yeah. 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 And so through that, I kind of got ideas. I never recommend people go to porn um, for fetish and kink only because much like other sex stuff, it provides just a, a limited dimension. And for me, kink is about the scene. It's about different layers of emotional, physical, and, and kind of maybe spiritual or, or um, existential um, impact that you're playing with. And That's not going to come across them. in a porn. Yeah. And it's always super extreme. It's always someone like super ball busting or like it's presenting also particular kinds of bodies and clothing. And of course, so people start to feel kink and fetish is only about the clothing. And I wasn't a body that fit into any of those things. So I felt, oh, I can't be like them. Then I can't be this thing. I can't be the dom. I can't be the sadist or whatever it is. Um, erotica, definitely I get ideas from. I love reading other people's amateur erotica, so on Fet Life, things Great. like that. Yeah. 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 And then sometimes you just wing it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to try and beat you with this rubber chicken. And let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to bark while I do it. <laughs> For some reason. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see what it does. I'm the goddess. I'm the goddess. <laughs> do what I say. Yeah. Oh, this is fantastic. We are going to take a break. Um, I feel like we could talk forever. <laughs> we are going to take uh, just, just, just a short little minute break we're going to hear from the lovely folks that come as you are and then we'll be right back with luna matatas let me tell you about come as you are come as you are is the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop and they have a fundamentally anti-capitalist and feminist approach to sexual pleasure, health, and education. This means that Come As You Are is able to ensure that their shop reflects diverse genders, orientations, sexualities, and life experiences, rather than just one person's idea of what sex and sexuality products should be about. Come As You Are is never put in a position where they have to bend their professional or personal ethics to please the man. And they are offering a fantastic discount to Bedpost listeners. That's 15% off at www.comeasyouare.com with coupon code BEDPOST. All you got to do is type in B-E-D-P-O-S-T when you check out at comeasyouare.com to receive this generous discount. I truly hope everyone listening goes to the website and sees what these folks are really all about. And I truly hope that you enjoy the rest of the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm here with Luna Matadas. Hey! <laughs> um, one fun thing. Oh, and I brought something to show you um, that you do is you make pasties. I do! You make pasties. <laughs> and um, they're gorgeous, by the way. Thank you. Lovely and gorgeous. They're I'm so a, fun to make. Yeah, I'm yeah. a crafty person, oh, yeah. too. Yeah. So I love it. And yeah. I appreciate it. One fun thing that you kind of had on an Instagram post was you like selling your pasties in person. Mm -hmm. And why is that? I really like it because it gives me a chance to have um, body acceptance conversations with people. Because every single time I sell, I either get someone coming up to me saying my, oh, I can't wear them because my breasts are like too saggy. I can't wear them because my breasts are too small or my nipples are too small or some something is imperfect that doesn't allow me to decorate myself with these little glittery things. And I always say to people, you know, my boobs are huge and my nipples point south and like mm -hmm. I wear them and I make them. And, and it's not so much about um, using the pasties to become something that you're not. It's about enhancing and decorating and glittering yourself because you are. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's beautiful to have these conversations right in the moment and to see people try and think about it a different way and sometimes they walk away thinking the same thing and sometimes they walk away kind of being like huh maybe you know, maybe maybe, maybe and sometimes they're like yeah i want the butterfly ones like yes <laughs> yeah so i made my first pair of pasties Yay! oh my god i want you to look at I them i totally want to see them because okay the um 
the thing was someone booked me to do a, a very weird Tom Hanks uh, variety show. Oh. And I they were like, would you invent a burlesque, a Tom Hanks inspired burlesque number? I was like, sure. <laughs> so, so I made this whole A League of Their Own um, oh, number. Yeah. yeah, this whole uh, Rockford Peaches uh, thing. So these are the pasties. These are gorgeous. <laughs> Oh, these little baseballs. They're little glittery baseballs. They are so beautiful. Thank you. I really like them. So tell me, okay, because if you turn these over, you can tell that I've just used some thin cardboard that was part of some packaging. What do you use as the actual base kind of cone part of the pasty? Yeah, so you can totally do what you did with cardboard and making the the cone. I feel like Um, these will not last long, though. They may not. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get them wet. No, we can fix them. We can fix them, but... I actually, and they would actually work um, if you just put like a, a polymer on the back, so a, a glue, some sort of glue, so that you can create a surface where you can keep resticking to them. So that's the mm-hmm. only your only barrier. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, no, totally. We can totally make this work. I'm going to tutor you on this. I love it. I love. I love that. Um, I actually use foam. I use glitter foam because I like having a, an already glittered base, and so it's like dollar store. You can get like eight for two dollars and Great. all kinds of colors. Michaels has them too. They're you get more unique colors. That's such a good, that's such a better idea. (laughs) (laughs) This is very good. It is super improv. It is great. (gasps) It was improv. I thought of it like last minute. I'm like, I need like a baseball pasty. (laughs) And I'm like, what do I have around the house? (laughs) And what people can't see is that it's amazing because you used the gems to actually shape the design. So like, there's like depth to to all of this. So don't you be giggling about it. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, I'm going to be running a, a pasties workshop um, soon on making shapes. So you already know how to make the base uh, cone. A circular. Yeah, so we can do stars and oh like hearts and Because I saw you had some peacock feathers. Yeah, ones. the peacock ones are fun. Oh yeah. my god. I <laughs> Those love are it. great. <laughs> okay, some other things you're doing lately. Okay, you did. Okay, this is very exciting oh, to me because yeah. I'm very much like in bachelorette mode. I have a friend that's getting married next month. I'm getting married next year. Yes. You did a BDSM basics for a bachelorette party. It was so fun. Like, probably the best night of my life. (laughs) I was like, how is this my life right now? It was so fun. And they were actually referred to me um, through uh, a dungeon by a local dominatrix, Shahrazad, who's amazing. She's like, so cool. She's actually going to be at the next show. Oh, amazing. I worship her. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they they found me and they had a Fifty Shades of Grey theme. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, like, let's go in there and... Um, they wanted a, an hour long demo just to basically pump them up before they went out. And I thought oh, I can do this. And it was, it was a lot of fun because you, in those environments, you're balancing kind of like information and entertainment, which I'm sure you also do at the show. Yeah. 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 And it's also an important environment to be able to take something like consent, which was missed in 50 shades. Very of Grey, much so. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but put it in a way that's palatable and understandable to this group at this moment. And they're not going to tune in if I'm going to rhyme through the, the yeah. actual, they're in party mode. They're in party mode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I talked about things like asking and um, inviting someone to tell you what's uh, feeling good for them or what they would like to do or what they fantasize about. Because sometimes in fantasy, when you actually turn to reality, it's not the same thing. Yes. <laughs> And you've missed a bunch of nuances that could actually a cause harm, emotional or physical, or just not be a good time for someone. Uh, and then we tied the bride up, and, uh, <laughs> and then we had. Um, I really focus on sensation uh, when I talk about BDSM because people focus on the thing. They are either interested in uh, the crop or the um, the spanking or whatever the fetish or the kink is, and they forget that there's all this like available pleasure to plug into from touch and from sight and from smell and sound and all these things. So we used different implements on her lightly and then kept getting her feedback on it. And so it was super fun. It was amazing. It was like they had a blast. And then they took selfies with my butt because I was wearing my <laughs> fuck like a goddess panties. <laughs> yeah. See, I think that's a great idea, especially for me, because it's pretty funny. Like, like the gals that are in my wedding party, the gal that is my main person in my wedding party, you know, she she's, uh, she's a married woman. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. And she's going to be planning my bachelorette party, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like... 
Okay, yeah, I'd love to just, like, be gangbanged, but, <laughs> but, like, what's a thing that we can do that would, like, bridge our two worlds? Yeah. Where yeah. I would get to get my freak on a little bit. Yeah. And, and the girls and who am, whoever else is there would still, would have fun in that world. Yes. And not be intimidated or weirded out. Or, Absolutely. Or whatever. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like, to take them all to Oasis might be a bit a yeah, bit much exactly you yeah. know <laughs> and they definitely tried to to tell me that as I was <laughs> being booked and um you know definitely some of them were identified kinksters but some people this was completely new to them mm-hmm. they were just happy to touch like a feather tickler like, yeah because you're gonna you have know. a mixed crowd at a bachelor party yeah. you're gonna have someone's like aunt <laughs> like yeah. so, you know what I mean like someone's yeah. cousin there was an aunt. Yeah. you're gonna have yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was an aunt there was an aunt, there was an aunt yeah. or two <laughs> You've got to like consider everyone, right? Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, so it was it was they had a a wonderful theme, and so it played off of that. Perfect. Um, but it was also about me r- really emphasizing on you create the experience you want to have. So if the feather tickler and a blindfold is your version of BDSM, that's BDSM. There is yeah. no such thing as as edge players in in my kind of understanding of, of kink and BDSM. Whatever's your edge is your edge. And yeah. that's great. Like you're getting fun out of it. They laughed. They learned some new skills around communication, which I thought was really valuable. Great. Um, and I, I really emphasized, you know, you have to kind of research these things and there's fun ways to do that. You can totally like read about it and um, go kind to of workshop. Go to workshops. Come to my take workshops. a class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So really de-intimidating. All yes. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's we were kind of ta- talking a bit before uh, the mic went on. That's kind of a similar kind of thing that I like to do with bedposts. Like create a sex light experience yeah. for a lot of entry level people that aren't totally immersed in the kink community um, and sex community and stuff like that yep. to kind of a, a gateway drug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a gateway drug moment, Yeah, you know, to try to be inclusive and not intimidating. I and think it's so important you're creating that kind of space. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. You, yeah. well, you too, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Oddly. so glad people have, um, like, more things to go to, especially in places like Toronto where they can kind of access a bunch of, of different different things and there's at different so many times good and things yeah. happening in Toronto yeah. where sex and sexuality is concerned like there's so many classes and events yeah and great shops yeah that absolutely. offer that, those kind of resources and stuff like that and dungeons and like yeah oh my God, everything sex clubs so many things so many things <laughs> uh one other thing I saw on your uh-huh. on your social meds um <laughs> was fuck like a goddess um at O School as a part of O School. Yeah. Tell me about that. Okay, so O School is amazing. They are um, a shame-free pleasure education platform for women. Love and it so, already. Yeah, they're going to be doing their Enough official said. launch. Right? I know, you're in love. <laughs> yeah, it's right? me up, up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're doing their official launch in mid-October. They're based out of the States. And their whole thing is about bringing educators together that will contribute to all these different parts of women's sexual empowerment um, and women as, as <clears> inclusive <throat> as well, but really taking uh, the people that can kind of turn the wheels in different communities and kind of say, okay, well, my approach to sexuality is this, and if you want this, that's great. You have, as someone going to the platform, you've got a variety of people teaching things in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. So for me, the fuck like a goddess stuff is, that's sort of my um, main line around my approach to pleasure is that, you know, regardless of what I'm doing or who I'm with, I want to fuck like a goddess. So if you ask me, are you submissive or dominant? I'm like, I'm a goddess. I'm a goddess, bitch. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> what don't you see? Like, <laughs> and the I'm whole... right here in front of you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Can't you read it? Do I need to show you the panties? Which I left at concierge. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But there's this um, sense of that sometimes we're dependent on other people for the kind of pleasure that we have in our experiences because it is a partnered experience or multiple partner experience. And I used to walk away sometimes feeling really disappointed or um, having so much ownership over the experience um, that was dependent on someone else providing a good time for me, whether it's doming or subbing or, or vanilla play. And now I kind of walk away and I'm like, even if it was disappointing, it's not devastating for me. That goddessness is not about um, a spiritual kind of thing, but it's more about the the connection to that I can create this kind of pleasure for myself. myself. Yeah, and that can look uh, so many different ways. I always kind of describe my... um, 
approaches as a, a kaleidoscope. Like you're the same kind of person. You've got all these beautiful little colored pieces of glass, but when you turn it, you have the ability to access pleasure in a different way. And you may think that the one before it is more beautiful. Great. Go back to that one or like <laughs> sprinkle this one in or whatever. But like, like you mentioned that it's so creative. There's so much that you can do and still maintain this sense of, of yourself. Love that. Yeah. Love that. So they're on panties. <laughs> yes, yeah, so on fuck, like, fuck like a goddess is on panties. Um, another thing that's on uh, a t-shirt. Oh, yeah. Peg the Patriarchy. Peg the Patriarchy. Where does that come from? What's that about? Uh, so, obviously, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm a little <laughs> bit of a feminist. And so <laughs> I really liked the idea of using... Um, feminism and uh, equity and or sexual equity sort of together and and I thought you know I wonder if like equity is my kink if I like <laughs> really can like get into this dig in there by like pegging the patriarchy and <laughs> and uh, but for me it was kind of a, a play on the subversion of um, fuck the patriarchy or smash the patriarchy or things like that but around this this subverting idea that comes with pegging and pegging is obviously role play too because it's um, it Designated to one gender receiving strap on play from from another person. And uh, so Peg the Patriarchy came out of this combination of my interest in sexuality and pleasure and, and feminism and, feminism. and politics. Yeah. And then it actually spurred a new kink for me. So I do like to peg the patriarchy. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. That's a new thing yeah, you're I'm into like now. I'm it into it. So I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so I are you into that. female supremacy? Because that's what I'm into right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell me more about female supremacy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Take this for feminism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't tell my mom. <laughs> Take this because politics. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, it just got really popular, which was great. Yes. Was, I see them everywhere. Yeah. And it, it's beautiful because the, the, it also gives me a chance to connect with people through my art. Because I answer every order, I package every order, um, I handwrite a note in everyone. So it's it's uh, bringing together the same kind of like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And it's helped me reach people in Australia and Turkey and France and a lot of people in the States, which is beautiful. It's, it's great to kind of have this art that um, speaks to different people. Yeah. Yeah. And your satisfies your arts and craftsiness. It does. As it well. does. I gotta feed that beast daily. You feed the beast. <laughs> <laughs> the arts and crafts, you beast. And I have a new shirt coming out soon, but I yeah. won't be launching till the fall. Yeah. Can you tell me what's on no. it? No. 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 no Don't ask me because I'm really terrible at secrets. <laughs> I know. You keep no. asking. That's just what I tell you. It's coming out. <laughs> Guys, it says no. Um, I can't wait then. Oh my yeah, god, I exciting. can't wait. Yeah. Um. Okay. One last thing for the last, like, you know, 10 or 10 minutes or yeah. so we've got here. Today is the Toronto Slut Walk. Oh, yeah. Yep. I want to talk about what, what does the word slut mean to you? What mm-hmm. definition do you hold? Um, for me, slut um, is definitely a woman who's, um, or a person, but I think it's, I identify with it as a, um, a female or a woman identity because it's been used against us. Yeah, I and do too. So I think it's sort of a reclamation of us being able to make the kind of sexual and pleasure choices that, that we would like to, to make. I don't think it has anything to do with promiscuity, mm-hmm. um, whatever that actually means. Yeah, <laughs> like, what is that What's anyways? the number for promiscuity? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think it's another idea of the woman um, as sovereign and uh, or the female identity and, and even the femme identity as, mm-hmm. as sovereign. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so anyone who embodies that um, and not necessarily needing to get justification for, for my pleasure or sexuality based on whatever the patriarchy of a male gaze has, has decided. Or other women. <clears throat> or other women, absolutely. Acrimony, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And so I'm really glad that things like Slut Walk exist. I still think that it's very misunderstood. Sure, and, I'm and, sure it is. And I think people still feel very... Um, uh, intimidated and and vulnerable using that language like I would never write that in any of my dating profiles so while my identity may be that it's Mm. where do I choose to express it still has a lot to do I think with safety and um how much misogyny I want to actually experience on tinder (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. how many unsolicited dick pics do you want this hour more than I already get yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah just from being there yeah just from existing just from existing yeah uh yeah 
do you think people would have richer sex lives um, and have sex more frequently and more joyously if they didn't have so much judgment and shame? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, judgment and shame, self-imposed and yes. external. Yeah, it's. I, I see a lot of um, people who come to me for uh, threesome help in couples or or kinkster stuff and a kink that they think is weird or that is not necessarily accepted in a way that um, makes people feel like their pleasure is important, um, like water sports or, or things that are still sort of stigmatized even within the kinkster mm-hmm, community, mm-hmm. that shame prevents them from getting the kind of education that they, they actually need to have a better and a safer time and to be able to talk about it and to negotiate it in a way that they want. So it it prevents our, our agency in kind of getting all the things that we need and putting them in place to actually have the the kind of pleasure and sex and relationships that we want, but then also it prevents us from enjoying it. So yeah. it's like, oh, if, if we've been dating for a while and then all of a sudden I tell you, oh, I'm kind of curious about water sports and you mm-hmm. shame me, I'm going to map that onto a whole bunch of other things. It's not just going to be like, okay, we're not doing water sports, but maybe I shouldn't speak up about what I like. Maybe other things I like, like are other things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so for sure, I think having that's a, a huge basis of my stuff is really removing or even navigating those barriers. And I always use my own uh, body image issues as a um, kind of an example of where they're higher sometimes, they're lower sometimes, and they're triggered in certain situations and they're not in other situations. So mm-hmm. it's about kind of having um, skills to be able to to work through that in a way that you still feel comfortable and taken care of, um, and but you also still feel that you're progressing in whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Where do you think? Where do you think for most people, like the connection between between sex and shame starts? Yeah, um, I think we don't have great sex education to begin yeah, with. Yeah. Um, so so many identities are left out of our sex education, so people don't see themselves represented anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then our sex education often doesn't focus on pleasure. Never. Um, I went to Catholic school, so yeah, I, I learned like how to get pregnant and. Um, also, I don't think I've really learned anything around STIs until later on. Yeah. Um, and then nothing we focus just on STIs. Yeah. Nothing about pleasure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I think maybe that's part of it. I also think misogyny has a, a huge part to do with it for both um, or for, for anyone, because there's this idea that I shouldn't be enjoying sex. I shouldn't have pleasure in sex and I'm, or I'm there to service someone else's pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't really discover what I like and I'm not comfortable talking with my friends about like, well, how do you masturbate? Or like, are you that pink? Or like, how big is your clit? Like, we don't have those conversations. And I meet a lot of women in my workshops who, um, don't have friends that are, um, sex positive that they can talk to. Yeah. So it becomes this isolated, weird thing that we're just supposed to know how to do and, Mm -hmm. and we don't know how to do it. And we don't know how to deal with desires that are different than whatever the normative culture has decided. Yeah. I finally have read, am reading Ethical Slut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> finally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I love the, the definition that they use. I'm, I'm reading like a remastered version of the book or oh, yeah. their re-edition. Um, but way back when, in the first edition, their definition is something so simple. It's like um, sluthood is someone who recognizes that sex is nice. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and and that something that I find pleasurable is good for me. Oh, I love that. And it's like so simple. Yeah, and so relatable. That's perfect. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> that sex is nice. I was like, sex yes, is nice. sex yeah. is nice. Kink is nice. Yes, yeah. it is. <laughs> and something that feels good. Yeah, you know what? Something that kind of... Um, one of the very first kind of phrases like that I heard that really impacted me, um, Red Tent Sisters, they used to have a store on the Danforth, yep. but they just kind of do their workshop stuff nowadays because um, one sister had to move to England. But um, at their storefront's closing party, mm-hmm. um, their stepfather spoke. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he said, what I learned from you girls was that... It's, it's just, it's just fun. It's not dirty fun or bad fun or, and I mean that it's just fun. Like, why is there any negative connotation on it whatsoever? 
like to do with shame or to do with it's bad or it's unethical or like it's just fun yeah and I was like yes Yes. (laughs) (laughs) it's fun (laughs) it should be fun and I mean obviously it's a lot more layered and complicated than it's it's fun everybody just it's fun but like you know let's try to let's just try to yeah but it's a great place to start let's just try you discover what's fun for you then that will feel safe if you can negotiate that with your partner or your partners and figuring out like okay well how do we co-create this fun together because i like this thing and it's fun and what do you like about it or do you like seeing me have fun like yeah yeah and another definition i like for myself um being a slut is I, i feel like it's somebody who is unabashedly um shamelessly in love with their own sex life Mm. Mm. that is beautiful i like that (laughs) i really like that too i choose that yeah because i think that captures the the sense of um empowerment around the reclamation of the word being used as something negative or or dirty and that Yeah. yeah it is about you deciding yeah 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 I will not be shamed, everybody. Yeah, unapologetic. <laughs> I will not be shamed. <laughs> Luna, we're pretty much at time, oh, my lady. Yay. Can you tell us what you have coming up for the month of September? Yes, for sure. Please. Uh, so I have a few workshops coming up. Uh, September 21st at Good For Her, I'm teaching group sex, yes. which is all about orgies, gangbangs, threesomes, yes, um, please. Yes, whatever yes, yes, is yes, more yes, yes. than two. And September 27th, I'm doing non-sexual submission and domination. So that's around people who want to explore power exchange outside of a a sexual context. Mm. And then October 3rd, I'm doing strap-on play. And uh, (laughs) which is one of your new passions. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Super new. Super new. (laughs) Um, And in between those, I'm uh, about to publish two new posts. So one's on uh, period sex. So hooking up on your period. Yeah. And uh, the other one's on water sports. So I I teach um, intro to pee play, but it tends to not be super well attended in person. But I get a lot of messages um, about it. And do the shame aspect. It's the shame. Yeah. And to be able to show up to a workshop and say even to yourself that, oh, this is something that I'm in and people are going to know that I'm into this, even though they're into it, too, is super. They still are like judgy, feeling judgy. Absolutely. So I'm going to publish something around uh, what I've learned about water sports and how you can really decide stigmatize what you think it's about it doesn't have to just be about humiliation there's i use it as a a form of worship and Mm -hmm. um yeah i've i've i if i'm gonna get personal i've i've started to just get into it myself oh wow yeah yeah yeah, yeah. good for you it's a really exciting thing for me an interesting thing that i'm very eager to learn more about at this point in my life oh wonderful okay i'll send it to you first (laughs) i'll edit it i'll get back get it back to you you're like aaron try out the things (laughs) yeah aaron what are you doing aaron approved (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing so that's your september schedule luna matadas everybody I am so happy to have had this conversation with you today. Thank you so much for coming. You're so welcome. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me and thank you for doing this. I think this is such a great contribution to our community. Oh, I feel the same way about you. You do so much good work. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Everybody, this has been Luna Matadas. Is there somewhere online people can see you? Do you want to plug plug your online links? You can find me at lunamatadas.com and everywhere Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, it's all Luna Matadas. And on FetLife, I'm something shiny. (laughs) (laughs) yes you are right (laughs) just because we work on the pasties yeah (laughs) everyone this has been luna matadas and i'm aaron pym and this has been the bedpost podcast check back weekly everybody because we release a new episode every single friday if you want to rate and review the podcast on itunes teehee while you're there that would be also greatly appreciated if you're in Toronto and want to see Bedpost live, our variety stage show runs at the Social Capital Theatre the third Friday of every month at 8. For ever, more information on everything Bedpost, visit us at our website, bedpost.ca. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions, shoot me an email at thebedpostsexshow at gmail.com. Lastly, the Bedpost podcast features original music by Stephanie Copeland. Love her. And if you love her too, you can reach her on Facebook or at her website, stephcopelandmusic.com. <laughs>